you're rocking the, the jet green right now. Adam Sandler. Right. Number one, you were rich, Eisen. The second movie, I see Brad Hirschberg <laughs> being your father. Dennis Miller. The autumn wind is caused by global warming. <laughs> Uh, a legend in the booth, Jim Brockmire. I do love watching Tebow play. I mm. gotta say, he just he combines all oh, the fiery leadership of Ray Lewis with the uh, with the throwing ability of Ray Lewis. <laughs> and uh... I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by the good people of Bud Light. We have 12 weeks and Thanksgiving now in our 2011 rearview mirror, and we have more to discuss than we ever could have imagined uh, with the Green Bay Packers now being a perfect 11-0 after a win in Detroit that featured Indomitian Sue stomping on one of the offensive linemen of the Green Bay Packers, uh, Evan Dietrich Smith. And the explanation that he had in the post-game press conference leading all to a two-game suspension that he has appealed. And then you have the rest of Thanksgiving and the rest of the weekend that has left uh, no fewer than four teams tied atop the AFC at 8-3, and three, including the Texans, who are now down to their third string quarterback. So much for the podcast bump, having Matt Leinert on last week, and he lasted all of one and a half quarters of football and the big opportunity that he so eloquently discussed on this podcast last week, one and a half quarters. He is done for the season. The Texans are down to their third string quarterback. Unbelievable. Uh, also, um, the Tuesday in which Indama Kinsu had the two game suspension handed down to him, the Jacksonville Jaguars of all teams, dominated the National Football League media landscape because they not only fired their head coach, Jack Del Rio, after nine years on the job, but the owner goes ahead and says, I'm selling the team too, and by the way, I know who I'm selling it to. And his name is Shahid Khan, who Rams fans should know about because he was the one who attempted to buy the Rams from the Rosenblum family before Stan Kroenke went ahead and exercised his right to match the offer of whoever attempted to buy the team with the Rosenblum family, the Frontier family, selling it. So now he is the new owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars pending approval. We're going to talk about all of these topics with our guests that we've got set up on this podcast. Charles Woodson, the all-pro defensive back, future Hall of Famer. Hands down, easily, future Hall of Famer from the Green Bay Packers. He will join us on this podcast. Of course, we're going to talk Michigan, Ohio State. Of course, we're going to do that. I bleed Mason Blue. We'll talk all about that. What does he think about Michigan season? Brady Hoke, the current Michigan head coach, was the defensive end and defensive line coach when Charles was there winning Heisman trophies and national championships. Uh, what does he think of Urban Meyer coming into the mix? Urban Meyer's now in this Big Ten mix. And, of course, we'll talk about the Packers game against the Giants this week because the Giants are free-falling once upon a time, 6-2. and two. Now, to avoid being 500, have to hand the Packers their first loss of the season. Talk about that with Charles Woodson. Talk about the Rams with none other than Adam Carolla. Adam Carolla returns to this podcast. Last he was on, I kicked a football and is behind. 
accidentally, of course. So thankfully, the, the, the big-time St. Louis Rams fan is coming back. We'll talk about all of these subjects, Sue and um, uh, the Jaguars, all of this. The Packers, the entire season, who does he think are going to go to the Super Bowl? Adam Carolla, always entertaining, informative. And he'll come on and no doubt talk about the goalposts needing to be raised. Sam Farmer of the Los Angeles Times, he knows all about what's going on in the Los Angeles area about a stadium and teams and the Jacksonville Jaguar sale. Can we connect dots? What does this mean? I want to get the full update on the Los Angeles stadium situation and what this means for all the teams that might want to move here and leases that are up and an interesting chat ahead there. And then uh, back by popular demand, Jim Brockmire, the great Jim Brockmire with the plays of the month of November. And um, it was an exciting month. And obviously Jim is going to place it all in perspective. So let's get right down to it and start this show. Thrilled now to have on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Bud Light, former Defensive Player of the Year, Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, and now reigning Super Bowl champion of the currently undefeated defending Super Bowl champion Packers, none other than Charles Woodson. How are you, Charles? Hey, man, I'm doing great today. Doing How was, great. How are you doing? I'm fine. How was that introduction? Did I miss anything there? Uh, you probably did, but, you know, you, you said enough, I think. Humanitarian, <laughs> onophile. You know, I could, I could, get, I could go on and on at this point in time, but you know, there's an interview to get to. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you have now, as a team, won 17 games in a row. You have officially gone an entire full season schedule, including some of the toughest games, playoff games, and games to get in the playoffs with wins. Mm-hmm. What, what is this like being part of this thing, now, Charles? Well, it's, uh, well, it's fun. I mean, I think uh, you can be a part of a team that just continues to win uh, game after game. It, it, it's fun. I mean, it's fun to come to work. Um, it's fun to turn on the TV and listen to everybody talk about it. Uh, <laughs> right. it's, it's just a great deal of fun. So I think, um, you know, for guys on this team, you know, coming to work every day um, is a blessing and a privilege. Are you openly talking about going undefeated in a regular season and postseason? Well, we're, we're just – you know, open, openly talking about where we're at right now, and, mm-hmm. and that that is we're, we're undefeated. You know, we're we're eleven and zero. Um, we understand we have a um, big game coming up this week. You know, in New York, and understand what 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 problems New York presents. So, um, I mean, th- all of those talks about you know sixteen and zero in the playoffs is is fine, but we are focused on playing this week and getting to 12 and 0. Right. And that the one game at a time mentality that I'm sure has been pounded into all players for for years and years and years. But have you I mean you've been on you've been part of a championship undefeated team in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh are are you at all um expressing to anybody about how 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 important that is to have in your trophy case moving forward what a, what a what a pleasure that is to have and be able to look back on and treasure for the rest of your career? Well, for us, um, the, the goal is and, you know, will always be to win the Super Bowl. So um, undefeated, you know, that that would that would be great, no no question about it. But, you know, the goal is to win the Super Bowl. When I, when I think back, you know, to, you know, uh, college and going undefeated, you know, in college you almost have to go undefeated, mm-hmm. you know, in order to play for the championship. So I think that's a different dynamic than um, it is in the NFL. So, you know, our number one goal, 
um, has and will always be to win the Super Bowl. So, and, and even though you are uh, perfect in the win-loss column, all all players, all championship players feel that there's room for improvement. Where, where do you, Charles, and your unit on the defensive side of the ball, what route, what areas of improvement do you think needs to be achieved between now and your goal? I think, um, you know, for us, I think tackling is, is one place where we, we have to get better, especially late in the season. You know, it's going to start to get cold, and, you know, there might not be as many balls flying around in the air. You know, teams are going to try to run the ball. I think our tackling, you know, is number one. Um, I think um, uh, communication and, and just making sure that everybody's on the same page, you know, each and every play is, is another area where we can definitely improve. Um, and if we can do those two things, I think we'll be fine. How can you improve on tackling? It seems that, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many times McCarthy's put you in pads yet, but there's yeah. a limited number of that. And obviously in the new CBA, there's a, such a, a a limited number of padded practices. How how can one improve on, on tackling between now and the end of the season? Well, I think, you know, in my opinion, tackling is, is, a, is a mindset. Uh, I think a lot of times you go out there and, you know, sometimes you go for the big hit instead of securing a tackle. And uh, for a lot of guys, um, I think it's about uh, taking the proper angles, um, and all of those things. You know, you can you can still work on without having to be in practice. Um, so it's getting in front of a guy or taking a proper angle. You know, when he's running to the sideline, not giving him a cutback. All of those things. You know, mentally you can do in your head, and then you can go out there and perform it on the field. You have got a front row seat for one of the more incredible quarterback performances anybody has seen. Uh, in recent, maybe all-time memory in Aaron Rodgers, what is it like sitting on that rocking chair? Oh man, it, it's it's uh, you know some you, I don't think any player ever thinks they'll ever see um, getting on a team. You never know uh, what that quarterback situation is going to be like. Um, and I, you know, I had a chance to sit and watch Aaron when I first got here in '06, and thought to myself, well, "Wow, you know this this guy would start on every other team, you know, in the NFL." Um, and now, you know, here he is having one of the, you know, the best best seasons of all time. And it's just a lot of fun to sit back there and watch him work. Um, and he works as hard as anybody I've been around. So, you know, for people who don't get to watch him every day, you know, in practice, it's a treat for us to watch him work. And, and at, at one point, we'll in the media all stop looking him through the prism of Favre. I think we've already reached that. But you were there for the transition, and you know what Favre uh, means and meant to that community mm-hmm. for Aaron Rodgers to do what he is doing as the guy after the guy uh, I, I think that's an intangible that doesn't get talked about enough and I know he doesn't want to hear about Favre anymore and, and we shouldn't look at him through that prism anymore but to me what he is doing and how he is turning the page for this franchise in ways that franchises like Miami, Denver have not been able Dallas have been troubled to do for their franchises after their franchise quarterback goes and goes into the Hall of Fame It's it's incredible to me well, I think, you know, going through that whole process, I think we find out very quickly, you know, what kind of person he was and what he was going to mean to this team. Um, all of the scrutiny uh, that was surrounding him, you know, being a guy that had to come in after um, an all-time great, um, a guy who was loved by, you know, 99% of everybody uh, who's a Packer fan. Uh, the way he handled that, um, the way he just, you know, kind of brushed it off of his shoulders, um, and, I, and I know a little bit probably got to him, but you know what? He he, he stood in there tall, um, and then he just came to play every day, came to work every day. And as soon as he got in there, 
you know, everybody understood, you know, why the Packers went in the direction that they went. And in this, uh, the the last game that Favre played as a Packer was the championship game lost to the Giants. And again, I know you've you've got a ring from last year and you're trying to get another one now. Uh, Will that loss in that championship game be any source of motivation this week? No, that, that, I mean, that's, so far in the past, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're not thinking about that at all. This is, uh, you know, a totally different season, even a different season from last year, you know, when we won it. You know, we're, we're, we are focused on 2011 and uh, trying to get to Indianapolis. Two games for Indomitian and Sue. That happened in the game that uh, you played on Thanksgiving. What do you think of that uh, penalty handed down by the league, Charles? Um, you know, I think it's a, it's a situation that's always – you know, tough for uh, you know a player to talk about you know another player and him missing games, um, but I thought it was it was something that that built up and something that probably had to be done. Um, I think it was more so um, his reaction after the game that that kind of caught everybody off guard more so than even the stomp um, and his explanation of, of of what happened. So I think there there was probably a message that had to be sent you know by Roger Goodell and, and the NFL that. You know, if you if you're gonna do something like that on the field, then it, at least number one, own up to to what you did, and then uh, we'll, we'll take care of business accordingly after that. Has he apologized to the Stomp E yet? Uh, I mean, I know we're all only have statements and, and reports as to who he's apologized to. Has he has he called up uh, Evan and uh, said I'm sorry to him? As far as you know, not to my knowledge. Um, from from all I've seen is that uh, there was a call made to Goodell, but um, I, I have no idea if he's called uh, Dietrich yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk Michigan. You know I wanted to yeah. do that right off the bat, yeah. but I had to you know have my professional NFL duties to ask you all these questions <laughs> first. Um, uh, Brady Hoke, he was mm-hmm. the defensive end and then defensive line coach while you were there. Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on the job that he's done, uh, 10 win season this year. Well, I don't think there's uh, too many people um, in in Michigan and Michigan fans and alums who thought that he would have to turn around that he did. I thought um, I know people thought that he would he would have it going in the right direction, you know. But to get the ten wins um, after what we've gone through the you know the past three four years um, was remarkable. Um, I, I think he's just done a great job, and and the, and the thing that I look at. Um, you know, because I play on the defensive side, as I look at the defense and I look at the, the change um, that they've made. Remarkable. And, and I, Remarkable. And, all it, and that's it. And all it takes is you see is, is a little bit of coaching. You bring Greg Madison in there, um, and he teaches those young guys about football and playing football. And, and it's evident, you know, every Saturday. I mean, you don't see those gaping holes. You don't see uh, third and 15s being picked up at will. Um, you see guys flying to the football, um, making those proper angles on tackles, and getting to the quarterback. So it, it was a lot of fun, you know, to watch that that improvement, you know, right before our eyes this year. Uh, what about Denard Robinson, uh, Charles? I'd love to get your thoughts on his play this year. He's one of the more dynamic players in the uh, entire college football world, and I'd love to get your thoughts on on how you saw his play progress this year. Yeah, I thought um, I thought he played well um, for the most part. I think the one biggest problem that Denard has is, is turnovers. I think um, um, way too many interceptions. I, uh, you know, I think, you know, watching the games, he had to have at least an interception a game, I, I, I would say. Um, and, you know, this last game, he did a great, 
great job against Ohio State. I think he had the one fumble, but he didn't throw it in an interception. So I thought that was the biggest part of the game um, that, that helped us, you know, win that ball game. But um, I mean, he runs the ball well, and I think he has a has a really good arm. But uh, I think he has to do a, a much better job of um, reading defenses, uh, knowing what he has and what he doesn't have. And uh, if he doesn't have to throw, throw it away or, or tug it and run it, which he's very good at. But I thought, uh, for the most part, uh, he did a great job for the Wolverines this year. What do you think of Urban Meyer now joining the party? You know what, I I, I just think it's, it's great. Uh, I, I really do because um, when I look at you know Michigan, I look at Ohio State and that whole rivalry, I feel like with, with what we have coaching-wise and now bringing in Urban at Ohio State, I just think that whole Michigan-Ohio State rivalry is back. And uh, it'll be fun to watch uh, these next few years to see the way these teams battle. That's right. And we've got 361 more days to gloat. And so this taping it. right now. You know what I mean? You better believe it. Hail to the victory. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, Tom Brady was recently interviewed, and he said the best receiver he threw in, at to in, uh, in Michigan practice was you. <laughs> Did you hear that comment? No, I didn't hear that. I didn't He's, hear that. He said the best receiver he threw to in practice was you. What, what was Brady like? back then as a quarterback in your memory, Charles? You know, I, I remember Brady being, uh, I remember him being a leader. You know, um, when, when he had his reps in practice, I seen a guy who understood what he wanted, understood, you know, what to do when he got in there. And uh, I think the guys around him respected him. Um, I thought he would be good. Now that I think he'd we'd be three Super Bowls later and MVPs <laughs> and all that, <laughs> no. But uh, I thought, you know, watching him, you know, when, when we came in, I thought he'd be a, he'd be a good quarterback, and uh, he turned out to be even more than that. You know, it's it, no question. And um, and again, I I said your uh, resume at the beginning of this in terms of uh, defensive player of the year, and you're in line for that award again this year based on your play through the first eleven games, and uh, you were a Super Bowl champion. You could be again, and you look at Brady's uh, stats as well. Uh, you too could be the best offensive and defensive players the school has ever produced and will ever produce. And yet the two of you and the NFL gridiron came together on one of the more memorable playoff plays of all time. Yeah. The tuck rule. And I'm wondering how, have you ever brought that up to Brady, the tuck rule game? Uh, you know, uh, just just briefly, you know, we haven't really got gone in depth, of, you know, in, in talking about it. But uh, just just jokingly, you know, we've uh, I've said a couple of things, but uh, that that was uh, is a play, you know, that you still think about because uh, you know every now and then it, it, it you know they'll show it on ESPN or something or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, you just think back to that time. And you know, I thought that going into that game, we we just really had a good team and we were set to make that run. Um, and then that play happens and the game is over. And uh, we were all thinking for, you know, the next five or so minutes, however long it took to overturn that call, that we were going to Pittsburgh uh, to play the Steelers. Um, and then, the, you know, the carpet was just yanked off of underneath us. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think about it from time to time. Um, but, you know, hey, it happened. You know, I, I feel like now – you know, I have a championship, and hopefully I'll get another one. And so I can put all that tuck rule stuff behind me. Last question for you, Charles, if you do get another one. This is year 16 for you. Would you would you hang him up Elway style, Strahan style, Betta style if you win this year? No. Nah. You know, I, I, I could still play the game you know, at a high level, and uh, there's no reason for me to leave.
Charles, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Good luck against the Giants and along the way. And uh, I'll say it, go blue. Go blue. All right, Charles. Thanks very much. Yep, appreciate it. Thrilled to have back on my podcast, uh, the podcast man of his own from uh, the Ace Broadcasting Network, the Adam Carolla podcast. You can download a new app for it on adamcarolla.com. Good to see you back, Adam Carolla. Delight, Richard. <laughs> it's good to have you back. You know what? It's it's funny. I'm now watching games through your prism, Adam Carolla, which is, you know, I mean, I, I mean that's, that's saying a lot. Mm-hmm. But just two weeks ago, mm-hmm. not one but two games mm-hmm. had field goals that came down to it mm-hmm. that were iffy. Yes. And would not have been iffy if the NFL had only listened to your counsel to raise the goalposts higher than they are, Adam. Rich, you will find whether it's my heated sofa, my attack crows, or my raise the goalpost. They were all come to fruition one okay. day. I'll never right. get the credit, mm-hmm. but they were all happen. Mm-hmm. I have a way. It, it's not like, well, you're clairvoyant or you're an innovator. I'm not Thomas Edison and I'm not Nostradamus. I am bothered by things years before other people are bothered mm-hmm. by them, but yeah. then eventually they'll be bothered by them and there'll be a change. As I did with the rules when it came to the OT mm-hmm. um, on the uh, in the fifth quarter, so to speak, I said, uh, just because you win a toss and kick a fifty-one year fifty-one y- y- yard field goal, that shouldn't you shouldn't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And they changed it at a certain point and said uh, for the first possession right. in the playoffs, right? Uh, at the college level as well, I think it was UCLA playing Stanford. And UCLA had a chance to beat Stanford, or someone had a chance USC to beat USC and Stanford. USC, yeah. sorry, USC and Stanford. Ball fumbled in the end zone, and the, the ball went right over the top of the goalpost. Right. And they, Musburger was like, "Oh, looks like he pulled it. What?" And then he was like, "Oh, no, it's good." And then they come back, and it's like, "Well, it's all tied up." And mm. it went right over the top. Somebody said, "You know, in rugby, those things go up to the heavens." How's, how do, how does that happen? I don't know, but they get the post in, I don't know if it's rugby, Australian rules, right. football, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But if you look at those goal posts, They're high. they just keep going. Well, the NFL's got to do something about it. It's a record number of 50-yard or more field goal kicks this year, by too, the way. It's, too, it, much people, too much leg for the post. And they've raised them before, and there's nothing less satisfying than seeing it sail right over the top. Mm-hmm. And nothing more satisfying <laughs> than seeing it hit the goal post. <laughs> and then just, again, your your theory about how the guys underneath, how old are they with, with cataracts? A- average age, 67 and 9 months, 21 <laughs> days with cataracts. And, and vertigo. There, there is no and vertigo. There is no way to lift your head and be able to act. You take your tell. average sixty-seven-year-old and tell him to look straight up mm-hmm. fast; he'll fall over. Mm-hmm. Right. That's there's no and that ball. I and mean, when Chanikowski puts that leg into right. one of those balls through the night air, by the way, with right. the lights coming down the stadium, mm-hmm. the the moment that that ball passes over the top of the upright is a tenth of a second, mm-hmm. two tenths of a second. Mm-hmm. That is a call that no human being can honestly make. I right. mean, you can't say that wouldn't have hit and caromed in or hit and caromed out. You just can't make that call. Yeah, the, the Thanksgiving game, the Dallas Cowboys, the game-winning kick, Dan Bailey, the uh, Dolphins swear that that ball was not good because the ball, it just it just sailed over the uprights and Phil Dawson, the Cleveland Browns, uh, just a couple of weeks before. Couldn't, uh, it, it was, it, 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 and you couldn't it can't tell. be reviewed. It well, cannot I, be reviewed. It is, it is essentially. There is no conclusive evidence. There isn't. So, again, you make them higher or you shoot laser beams up one, in the air, one high in the air. One trip to Home Depot 
<laughs> and we could solve this. And mm-hmm. not only that, I mean, every stadium with a can of yellow spray paint and, a, you know, some four inch thin wall tubing and a MIG welder could, I mean, this is literally a $300 retrofit. Mm-hmm. We're not putting a bulletproof proof door on a 777. Right. You know what I mean? This I do could know. Literally just one of those Johnny lift things and a little weld and a, and a, and a torpedo levels, we call it in the mm. business, a little magnetic level done and done. And you don't need to go 18 feet. If you tacked on six feet right. onto every one of these goalposts, it would That's solve That's 85%. And you could sponsor We can get a sponsor for this. That's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's ways around it. You can That's even right. be paid for. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we could use uh, like Cialis or something because it really, <laughs> that's what it's saying. You know what I mean? Just raise Always it. ready. <laughs> like galvanized steel. Mm-hmm. Sitting in a sitting in your own tub, the his and her tubs right. on the horizon mm-hmm. with the with the with the flowing river. Yeah, and, the, and, and then the goalposts. And why come not up. get Janikowski some sponsorship money? Yeah, I don't know how his like English it. is these days, but but just straight up, no argument. Is there going to be? And here's what I'm saying: uh-huh. with everything you do vis a vis the rules committee, there's always a sort of a downside to it. Mm-hmm. Like somebody says, hey, look, I want to make it illegal to go up high on these quarterbacks or the Brady rule, go down low. And someone says, ah, they should put these guys in dresses and you're taken away from the game. Mm-hmm. And the, how are you going to enforce this? And there's always a, well, we're going to move the kickoff back or we're going to move it forward. And then someone raises their hand and says, I don't like it. Everything's going to go out of the back of the end zone. Who could argue? Well, what kind of maniac would argue for raising this post eight feet. It there, be, there it just be may, no it, argument. It might just have to be an aerodynamic safety issue. You know, I mean, it's windy in Buffalo. These things are now now they're high up. I, I, I'm just however I'm, it works. I'm if you picture the, Australi- the, the Australian rules uh, mm-hmm. football, these guys are some of the drunkest fans on the planet. Yeah. I'm sure they would tear the thing down, no problemo. They don't have our aerospace technology. They can't build stealth fighters. <laughs> they figured out a way to extend that thing halfway to the moon with right. no problems, no deaths, no fatalities, right. and the laser. This is a cyclical argument, which I get into every single year. And I've said it on this podcast before. Every single year, I start off the season by complaining that the goalposts have not been raised. Uh, ESPN's Bill Simmons says, Mm -hmm. Ace Man, they need to put uh, a laser beam up there. And then I go, yeah, but the laser beam's no good. And then he goes, why? I don't get it. And I said, because if you break the laser beam, it doesn't mean it would have caromed in or Mm -hmm. caromed out. It just meant it broke the laser beam. It needs something to physically hit to carom in or carom out. And he goes, you're right, Ace Man. And then we fast forward (laughs) one year. And then I go, they need to, and he goes, laser beam. And then we have the exact same conversation again. That's just the beauty of being a dude. That, is, that, is that a Simmons imitation? That's that what be, he sounds is like. Is that what he sounds like? Yeah, go, it's, go, it's, go, Pats. That's what he sounds like. Go, Tom Brady from man. Oh, man. Uh, your Rams. Mm. What I tell right? you. I mean, what uh, that, I tell that, everyone. That's it. Uh, by the way, that, that's like the, 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 um, I don't even need to ask the question, right? It's just, that's one of those, uh, sort of Jim Hill, you know, the local, Guy sure, here. he doesn't even ask. And that, so, you, so, that is true, my friend. So, <laughs> who does not age? That's, that's, he does not age. I there know. is a portrait of Dorian Black. Right. I've modified it a little bit. <laughs> no, <you're done. laughs> well, so yeah, he, he'll just ask questions of he's people. He's literally here. the same as he was when he played DB for the Packers. Exactly, forty years ago. Forty years ago, he's the exact same guy. He 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 will just ask questions like deep hurt. Yeah, that's it. That's he will deep look hurt. deep hurt. So 
Your Rams. Well, okay. First off, to all the people that told me preseason, hey, hey, hey. Look out. Hey, look out. I was hey, one of them. Out. I was one of them. I said, no, no, no. I said a couple of things. They had a chance to go to the playoffs last year. All they had to do was beat Seattle in a sort of last game, whatever, elimination. And they could not score a touchdown against the Seattle defense. And Seattle's an okay team. But Seattle was another 500 or sub 500 team that one game that could not put the ball in the end zone. I think no they kicked a couple, nothing, nothing going on. Another thing, Sam Bradford, no one's ever, you know, Sam Bradford, this Sam Bradford, that why well, I don't know what Sam Bradford's doing. He's doing a, a yeoman and I don't even know what yo people <laughs> do. <laughs> right. It's just something that Jim Hill would yell at one of his friends. Yo, yo man. man, yo man. Yeah. Right. He's doing a yo man type job. But, is he the future of the franchise in the NFL? Because I feel like he's had a few years to work it out now. And I know he's not well, hes not surrounded with a lot of talent. But he has these games where he's like 12 for 31 with 132 yards. And he ain't lighting up the scoreboard. And, you know, Marino, Elway, even when they didn't, on certain years, right. when they did not have the supporting cast, they were still slinging it. Well, here's the deal. No offseason. Right? Right. New offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And how many playmakers did they get for him in the offseason? I, I, evidently, right? they, none. They finally did get Brandon Lloyd right. in the middle of the season. And right. he's had he's had almost 400 yards receiving since he's come over from them. So he's yeah. he's a he's a keeper, but he's also a free agent. Who knows if they'll keep I, him. But I, I just, that's the whole thing. The defense, the defense, uh, DeMarco Murray set a record, the Cowboys right. record against him. Beanie Wells set a Cardinals record right. against them. Right. And in the special teams, Patrick Peterson is going to go to the Pro Bowl based on what he did well, against the Rams. The Rams have always had bad special teams. And that is one of those, it's kind of a character issue. You know, I mean, I think you can talk about, I've never really thought about this, but you can talk about offensive weapons and you can talk about, you know, having Plexico Burris, who's just going to go up and get catch touchdowns. And you can talk about the quarterbacks and you can talk about having Ray Lewis in the middle, but the special teams, that's a side, you know, that is, um, that, that is a side dish and that's about, and that most reflects the team and its coaching and its discipline and what have you. I agree with that. And because in a way it's sort of equal for every team. It just kind of comes down to discipline, practice, work ethic, determination, things like that. The Rams have stunk in the special teams department for about 10 years, which says they don't have a winning organization. They don't have a winning mindset. You know, Belichick's teams don't make a bunch of mistakes in the special teams department. They don't give up a whole bunch of, you know, runbacks and all that kind of stuff. And the Rams, it seems like every week there's a highlight film of someone taking it to the house against them. So that is a sort of yardstick to just measure an organization. Right. And the Rams, they 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 lost their fire. They They used to have a guy named Kevin Green, who had a little fire in his belly. Yep. And they said, hit the bricks. We don't need we don't need troublemakers here. Like 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 a bunch of lazy union guys and one new guy shows up and goes, I'll drive that forklift. And some guy like put a cigarette out, set his coffee down and went, <laughs> you don't get it. You don't understand how this works, do you? Calm down, Greenhorn. Lay back. <laughs> Relax. Have a shot of brandy. Right. You're going to ruin it for all of us. Right. The Rams have been that way. 
Uh, I was emotionally prepared for the worst, and I was not disappointed. You are not disappointed. No. They, they could get the number two overall pick in the draft. I suspect they'll screw that up just uh, just <laughs> enough. And by the way, no, I don't think they I don't think they will because the Colts are about to clinch being on the clock. Yeah, they, and they, they're going to New England this week. They switch quarterbacks. Dan Orlovsky's now the guy. Right. Curtis Painter out. Orlovsky in. They're How many? 0 and eleven going to New England with yeah. this guy. They just fired their defensive coordinator too. So yeah, right. they're coming with a new defensive coordinator, new quarterback. That that's zero and twelve as the day is long, right? And I don't see them winning two games the rest of the way. I think you you can uh, save or or, Brady or you think at home a lot. <laughs> he does a lot. Certainly, he'll see Orlovsky across the way, and you know you can't you can't go toe to toe with Orlovsky. Or, Orlovsky is a UFC fighter, isn't he? Or is I'm thinking of somebody else. You, there, there is a guy named Orlovsky. He's a heavyweight right? UFC guy. It could be the yeah. same guy. It could be. Probably has a better arm. The, they're going to get killed. Um, I, I, I think Peyton Manning should stay retired because if they go, and I think we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. but but I like to talk about things, hence, the, hence the 20 minutes on the goalpost that we begin it's every conversation. And that's not just this. The conversations I have with my nanny <laughs> start with 20 minutes of goalpost conversation. <laughs> she starts it with, she, what, what, what shall I make the kids for dinner? Right. And I go, hold on. <laughs> Let me get into this goalpost thing. For, and then and she's confused. we can talk about fish sticks right. versus McNuggets. <laughs> First, let me hit the goalpost. There's a game called football. Right. It's not soccer. Right. Let me continue. Um, no, I have the dry erase board up, thankfully. That, <laughs> that that serves as a bridge between the language barrier. Um, Peyton Manning has, you know, he's going to the Hall of Fame. First no question. Ballot, no problem. Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Um, your legacy is sort of based on what you did on the field, but it's also kind of based on how you did when you how your team did when you left. Mm-hmm. And they do that with coaches all the time. You know, they go, wow, this guy... They tossed uh, Jimmy Johnson out, and then what's-his-name came in, and then they, Dallas won another Super Bowl or whatever it was. And all of a sudden, Jimmy Johnson's legacy is a little bit tarnished because it's like, oh, I guess they can do it without him. Mm-hmm. Whenever they do that can do it without him, it hurts your legacy a little, even if you're a great coach or great quarterback. If they go 0-16 the year that Peyton Manning did not play— right. And then he comes back and they go 5 and 11 or 6 and 10 or whatever it is. I don't think they're going to go above 500 because I don't think they have the personnel unless they do really well in the draft. It's going to screw up his legacy. But 0 and 16, Hmm. Peyton Manning never comes back. That's insane. And it will get etched into everyone's. And 10 years from now, it'll be well, these guys were going to the Super Bowl every year. And then Manning. Missed the season. They went 0-16. It's so uh, fascinating. There's never been a walk-off into the sunset quite like that. I mean, we've we've all seen Elway win it all and leave. And, right. And uh, Strahan win it all and leave. And right. And Bettis win it all and leave. Nobody's ever lost them all because they're not there and left. And no one's ever done that More before. indelible. Like a, a more powerful statement. Mm-hmm. Because everyone knew Elway was a great quarterback and Bettis was a great running back. And sure. all, another, another guy Rams couldn't tolerate. <laughs> Get rid of this troublemaker. <laughs> right. he's, he's way too they wanted him. He was on two weeks ago, told the story about how they wanted him to play fullback. That's sure. where he's used his leverage saying, I'm going back to school. And he right. wound up being you know, right. a Pittsburgh Steeler legend after sure. that. 
Sure. And another guy who brought some fire and right. some passion to the game that, again, the Rams just, they, it was yeah. like, it was like, must have, they, they treated the, their organization like a library. Like some guy would start going, let's go. And so, shh, shh, relax. You read one of those giant newspapers on the huge wicker cane. The wicker cane. And just be quiet. <laughs> The ones they train with, the ones that ninjas train with. They don't have those anymore, right? I, I, uh, those I, are probably those are probably either microfiched or just internet now. I they don't am, have this, the newspapers on the on the wicker screen. I am pleased to report I've not been inside of a library <laughs> in fifteen years. I'm so happy. It, it used to be a source of shame for my family. Sure. Now it's a source of pride that you're not going in for there. the first twenty five years of my life. It's like that kid's never been in a library. Now it's like, I've never been in a library. Right, right. You think that's really taking a turn. The library's really taking it's a on, turn. I know. It's, on, it's, it's a source of shame it, now. I know. So It's at a crossroads. Him, if they go 0-16 and mm-hmm. Peyton says, the next just too screwed up, I'm not coming back. Right. Because, let's face it, he can have his, you know, another surgery. He can rehab. He can come back. He can have two more seasons of 500 ball, maybe a little sub 500 ball. Because let's face it, he can't really? do everything himself. You really think They've it would lost... be 500 ball? I think he he. I think he's got 10 wins and just merely him and and whoever he throws out there if they can protect him. I I, I, I don't know. I don't think you go 0 and 16. Just at the quarterback department. No, I mean, well, they've been department. hurt. They've been, they've been decimated all. Well, over who the place. says they're not going to be decimated? I you see. know, the following season. I'm just saying this is an opportunity <laughs> that he's the, not going to see. The zero and sixteen is it's a rare opportunity, and it, they very they we know they're at least zero and twelve after no, no the question. To New England, they're not going to win a game, and they're going to go zero and sixteen. And if Peyton Manning, and now he just never comes back, and then you fast forward five years, and you go, well, what happened the year after, or the year he didn't play? Right. Oh, and six. There it is. You know what? I'm I'm going to go on this uh, prediction, and I mentioned this before on the show. Uh, some smart-ass writer is going to vote for Peyton Manning for MVP. He's going to give him an MVP vote. Somebody's really? going to do that yeah. this year. I think somebody's going to just say, give him a third place vote or whatever it is. Just throw it in there. You're going to get Rodgers will win it. Brady will get some votes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. somebody, somebody's going to throw it in there. And they'll say, well, something. he's the most valuable player or most important player right. to his team because right. obviously without him, they right. won 0 16. Yeah, I don't like that. No, I think, actually, I don't even think there's a third place vote. You just vote for whoever it is. Mm-hmm. There's just a, someone's going to throw they it in. I think Rodgers has it, hands down. Don't you think? I, I do. I mean, have you ever seen anybody play quarterback like the way he's playing quarterback? Ever. Um, ever. I mean, we've seen, obviously, Peyton play at a high level. Brady play at a high level. We've seen, you know, we've grown up we, we with Marino and Montana. We saw all of that. Now, we, we don't go back to the Unitas days or anything like that. But yeah. the, the him throwing in the pocket is dangerous. Then you get him out of the pocket. Yeah. He's more dangerous. Yes. Yeah. His un- decision-making is unbelievable. Like um but there's what five more games? Yes, there is. And Drew Brees, he what he did on Monday night, looking amazing. Holy smokes! There was that one play. I don't know if you watched the whole game. Did you see the whole game? Yeah. The, the where where uh, Pierre Paul or Tuck had him. He goes out. He's still uh, he's still alive. And mm-hmm. then he's he avoids one more rusher and he still connects it down the field. But they they zoomed in on his eyes mm-hmm. and his eyes were looking downfield the whole time. Yeah. Now on our Thursday night game with the Ravens and the Niners. Marshall Falk, who you have a man sure. crush on. Uh, yeah, I know. I think, uh, no, he's not in the building. I smell the scent. <laughs> it's that from yesterday? 28. The, the O to 28. Mm, oh, yeah. Yeah, he was here yesterday. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you um, know two and eight? 
You know what they add up to be? Mm. Ten. He's a ten. He's a perfect. People 10. talk about women being tens. Mm -hmm. There's dude tens. And he's one. Oh of yeah, them, right. Oh, he's two of them. He's twenty. <laughs> he's a twenty. Well, I was just, I, I, you would, you, you've got to come in and watch. I know you probably get your setup with the oh, Corolla no, setup. Nothing with, better with than the, being kicked with in the, the back of the setup. sack with a brand new football. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's. I was going to end the conversation with that. Then. I so shoved a newspaper down the back of my pants just on the off chance you try to kick a third ball into the back of my scrotum. And and by the way, there's no more sensitive area on a man's body, the the back of the scrotum. I, the front is at least used to the wind and the elements. You know what I mean? But the back, that never sees the light of day. That's the dark side of the moon. And yet you drill the brand new ball, not even scuffed. I know. Right out of the box. Right out of the I know. box. And into the dark side of the moon. <laughs> I couldn't have placed it there better. No. I know. I was going to say thank you for not I, the I, sack of tranquility you... when you were done with it. I'll tell you that right now. Still icing it every night before yeah, I, I go to bed. But at least Marshall was there to Can't soften the blow. Can't make love to my wife without crying. <laughs> Well, the reason I why I was bringing this up women. is we, yes. were, we were on the sideline in Baltimore, uh -huh. and Marshall notices everything. Mm. Oh, yes. Uh, and he... he Hypervigilance. He, he mentioned, of a great man. <laughs> he mentioned how Alex Smith, right, right away, he pegged it. He goes, he's not looking down the field at his receivers. He's too bothered by the rush. Mm -hmm. And how you could see... And, and we were talking about it... Um, uh, amongst everybody, Dion and and Irvin, and it just takes a special quarterback to just maintain focus. It's down weird. the field, yeah. It's it's so you can't forget about Breeze. You're right. Breeze is going to get some MVP votes. He might even win the darn thing. You know, but if if, if Rodgers goes sixteen and zero, I think oh, it's a lock. Yeah, it's an, that, it's a that's lock. a lock. No, Rodgers would have to, you know, throw a few bad balls, have a couple of bad games, and Breeze just keep doing what Breeze is doing right. in order to really make this that that tight a race. But I, I don't see it because the guy's just playing flawless ball. And, I you know, I don't see anyone beating the Packers, but the Patriots always scare me. They, they should. Always, and they should. And Brady, I think I, I saw a statistic uh, last night on uh, Monday Night Football that uh, Brady and Rodgers, or, or I should say, yeah, I think I think Rodgers and Breeze are due to beat Marino's, you know, single season record. Yeah. And Brady's close or right there. Brady has the most yards of any quarterback in his first eleven games in the history of the NFL. Oh, Brady! I th oh, yeah, it's Brady. <laughs> that was Rogers. on Sunday. Breeze right. may have a Breeze passed him by about sixty five yards. He, or he, something. he threw for a gajillion yards in the first half alone on Monday night. Right, and Rodgers. Is thirty yards just a mere thirty yards off of Marino? Yeah, so base. there's we're gonna three see guys. Three, we're going to they're they're going to do it. Right, there's no doubt because the the Packers' next opponent is the Giants. We saw what Breeze did against the Giants. Right, and but also then you get into this situation where you're fourteen and zero or you're fifteen and one, and you go, "Hey man, am I going to have my guy dropping back all the time, right. risking tearing his ACL?" Hand the ball off. We can win handing the ball off. Even if we don't win, right, right. we go fourteen and two. We rest these guys up. I mean, you know, I, I do question it because I was watching the game last night, and the Giants are down by twenty four points with a minute and twenty one seconds yeah, left, Eli's and there. Eli's out there taking a pounding. And there was a play or two where the guy went low on him and kind of buckled yeah, him. And yeah, it's like, yeah. is that good coaching? I don't know what that was. I love well, and I like Coughlin do too. Do that? I like I, mean, I don't know what that is. I really don't know. Eli what that is. Manning, who uh doesn't really get his due, he threw for more yardage than Breeze did the other night. 
and you know, in a losing effort because sure. you have to throw. Mm-hmm. But he threw for 400 yards. He's a top-shelf quarterback. I agree. And I think he's doing a great job this year. If he goes down... I don't know if they still got the fat guy to put in there. I don't know where he <laughs> the is The hefty right now. lefty Jared Lorenzen. He's, he's working at the Home the, Depot the in Pillsbury right now. Boys. I miss that guy. But the, the, <laughs> why do you have your guy in at that, at that place in the game? Right. And isn't that the essence of coaching? I mean, coaching is about, you know, do you go for it on fourth down? And uh, do you like to kick off or receive? But it's also about having a franchise guy out there. The defensive linemen, their ears are pinned back. I mean, they're going every play. They're not biting on the play action, obviously, down by, you know, 24 points with 80 seconds left in the game. No one's biting on the play action. He's going down to the ground hard every time he drops back. Mm -hmm. A, don't you want to get some reps for your backup? And B, why are you putting him and his ACL in harm's way in an unwinnable game? And if you're looking for statistics, he's already thrown for 375. It made no sense. You're right. It absolutely made no sense. You're only asking for trouble. And they've got trouble because they got the Packers this week. They were one six and two. They're going to go six and six. They got yeah. the Cowboys twice. Yeah. So what do you just handicap for me before I, I let you go? What do you what do you see? What do you see for the because the AFC is wide open. The Texans right. are a perfect example of what you're talking about, about how your fortunes can change in two seconds if your quarterbacks are. They're on their third string. Right. They're in their third string. Yeah, they, would they have Liner go out? Liner yeah. went out, right. yes. Liner went out within one and a half quarters, which is a shame. Yeah. And now they're down to TJ Yates, everybody, yeah. from North Carolina. They're going to try and they might get Jake DeLome. I think they should go get Favre. I swear. I really do. They should go get him. Why not? Yeah, Why I, not see what he see what it's like? They said the GM said that he doesn't want to bring the circus to town. That's oh, really? Why not? Said. Why not? You're eight and three. You've got you've it's all set up. You got these two beasts of running backs, right? You right. got your defense. Wade Phillips is is the coach of the year, assistant coach, of the right? Year. And and go get him. And I right? like go get him. I like Wade Phillips because he looks. You're gonna have to Google this, but he looks like the guy from Far Out Space Nuts. Say uh, uh, the same guy used to do the arid extra dry commercial. Go hi guy, it's 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 <laughs> it's a deep uh, one. Uh, it's a deep. You go deep. Go deep what on are we this go- one. What are we googling? I'll, I'll come up with the guys. I'll come up with the actor's name, but I'll tell you off air because that's the way I, re- I remember things on the oh, way to the parking lot. Right. But that's uh, a way Homer. Yeah, yeah. Far out space nuts. Okay. Now, now that's uh, Wade Phillips. Bob Denver was one of the guys. Right. And then there's a, a character actor who you'll recognize immediately. He, he, sound, like he sounds like the the uh, the the king of the hill. Oh, Hank Hill. Yeah, he sounds just like he sounds like Hank Hill. That's Why not sure. get Brent Favre? Would Brett Favre do it? That's a good question. Uh, but the circus to, is what you, you have want. to place the phone call. You must. Yeah. There's no other way to get a quarterback these days. Mm-hmm. Unless one drops out of the sky like the Chiefs got Kyle Orton. There's no way. You can't. The trading deadline's passed. Well, Dallas is going to do what Dallas always does, which is they lose a couple of games they shouldn't lose early. Right. And then everyone just gets PO'd and they're like, oh, damn it. Screw these guys. That darn Romo. Damn, Romo. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, whoa, Romo's. He's pulled out a few. Oh, he's looking good. Mm -hmm. And then right about the time you get built up with that, hey, Dallas is rolling. Then they just boot one again, and they lose to a team they shouldn't lose. And they just—they're roller coaster team. They'll just suck you in. They and will spit take you one, out. If, if you will, they will take one in the sack of tranquility. Just yes, when, just when you least they, expect it. They—they, you know what they are? They're—they're they're a relationship with a confused stripper. 
And it's like, <laughs> just when you've convinced her to give it up and go back to college, you find out she's out stripping again, but you love her. The sex is great. You, you sworn off her. She comes back with one of those edible arrangeables and apologizes to you. You break down in tears. You take her back. You make beautiful love. She's going to go back and get her degree. And then uh, you see her heading out with the glitter on one night and some weird dude in a Jeep picking her up. <laughs> But it's, you want it so badly. Those are the Dallas Cowboys. Those, that's ex- literally, exactly, <laughs> hand to God, those are the Dallas Cowboys. It's a stripper in the Jeep you could never fully tie down. She'll break your heart. She will, Rich. Well, I'll tell you what. Mm. She may just mm. next month. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, I like the I like the I'll take the Pats and the Packers. Okay. Why, why not? I mean, uh, that that's as good as any. I'm, I mean, I'm, gotta, I'm on I'm on the Ravens and the Packers. I'm yeah, on the, the Ravens, Ravens and the Packers. Figure out a way to lose at some point. I'll tell you what they do, but they've got a defense, and they if, you know I, I that's I just for some reason I think the Ravens because they I think they'll win the division. I think they're going to get a bye week. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to get a week off. Yeah. Uh, Chuck is the first name of the guy from the far out space nuts. We're, we're, we're sort of getting there. We're, we're, we're sort getting of close. We're, we're getting, we're, we're getting there. You, somebody Google yeah, this yeah. guy. Uh, well, Chris Law, we'll our producer. Yeah. Chris. Maybe you can Google this right now. So yeah. you got, you've got the Packers mm-hmm. and the Patriots. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why not? I mean, I mean as good New as Orleans as right is, you know, how wild would that be if it's, New Orleans and Rodgers breeze against Rodgers again in the yeah. freezing cold of of Lambeau Field. That the first game of the season in Lambeau Field was what we saw between them in the last one. That would be incredible. Or <clears throat> Alex Smith somehow sneaks in there and it's Rodgers against Smith, the choice that the Niners had right. yeah. those many years ago. That it, would be a good one, it's, too. It's good. I mean, uh, obviously the Packers seem like the unbeatable team, but for some reason... I still think they could lose, mm. and I, I, I don't. I don't know how. It's not rational. Mm. It's maybe it's just that they're the Packers, and I know they're storied, but there was all those you know tough years, and then right. the sort of Favre years where they were up and down and mm. all over the place, and uh, I, I don't know. But yeah, Rodgers is playing just out of his off, skull, out, out of, of his skull. skull, and then right. Brady. You can't you can't go wrong with him. Good to see you, Adam Carolla. Good to see you, Rich. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Uh, Adam Carolla podcast. You can download it on iTunes. Where else can you get it? Chuck McCann. You got it. Chuck McCann. So, so. Chuck McCann. Is Wade Phillips. Is Wade Phillips. Chuck McCann was the far out Space Nuts guy. Right. See, there we go. And, and, and Chris Carter is uh, Godzuki. So me just. Those are the two you have to look up. Did, did I need to, um. Uh, I guess say goodbye to you earlier for you to get that. Is that what is that what it was? That's that why they just, call me Clutch Corolla. That's you right in the yeah. clutch. You got to look up. I'm saying goodbye, and I'm I'm trying to promote. You got to look up you Chris your... Carter's Godzuki. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do that. Right. That's you're gonna love that. And one. Wade Phillips sounds like Hank Hill, but and looks like, like Chuck McCann. Chuck McCann. There you go. Yeah. Oh, podcast, I know. Now but... I know who Chuck McCann is. He's he. You're talking like. 70s, mid yes. 70s. Yes, that's. I'm always talking mid 70s. <laughs> I know who he is. Yeah, I got gonna, it in my mind's eye. Find him. Everyone's going to go out and Google him. I, I want it trending. I want it trending by Thursday. Yes. Um, AdamCarolla.com. Yeah, it's all free. Can, it's all free. And uh, we have a new app, and it's all good. You and Bald Brian and uh, the and whole crew. The whole yeah. crew's getting together. Mm-hmm. What's What's the name of the, the 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 girl was on your show now? What's her name? She had Allison new, Rosen. That's right. She yeah, had, we just no earthly daily. idea. Last time I was on. She checked out of the whole conversation. Yeah, she does that. So I'm I'm coming back 
Please. next week. I'm coming back next week. Will she will she oh, check out God again? God willing. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you, Good and thanks you, for coming back, even though I hit you in the, the nether regions. Twice. Time. Twice. Twice I did that. First sh- time, shame on, on me. That's right. And then second, <laughs> shame on Marshall Falk. Yeah, That's the, Adam Carolla on the right. Rich Eisen podcast. Now let's go to one of the top stories of the week that nobody thought was coming. Well, I mean, people thought it would happen one day, but not, not in the middle of the season. The firing of Jack Del Rio coupled with the announcement by Wayne Weaver that he's selling the team and he's selling it to a man named Shahid Khan, who is familiar to Rams fans since he attempted to buy the Rams, but um, Stan Kroenke had a right to match based on what was going on in the contracts. Don't want to bore you with the fine print, but at any rate, uh, Mr. Khan attempted to buy the Rams. Stan Kroenke, as was his right, match the bid. He is now the owner of the Rams. But now, uh, Shahid Khan, who is a uh, an auto parts magnet, um, looks like he's going to be the next owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, which set off a whole bunch of speculation here in Los Angeles about uh, the team that might be coming here and the stadium that might be built here. And there's so many questions. And there's really only one answer, man, for this. And it's the man who has spent the last several Super Bowls being the only person to ask an L.A.-related question to the commissioner in his State of the Union address the Friday before the Super Bowl, and that is Sam Farmer of the Los Angeles Times. Am I not, am I not wrong, Sam? No, you're the yeah, only right. one. It's the perfunctory L.A. question that comes up every year. By you, though. gets a laugh now. Yeah, by you. By you. But I guarantee Absolutely. you, I guarantee yeah. you, you're not going to be the only one to ask that question this year at the Super Bowl in Indianapolis at all. Yeah, L.A., uh, the pot has been stirred. And not necessarily, uh, well, I think before this, but obviously any type of uh, changing of hands of teams uh, gets people thinking Los Angeles. A lot of times just because of the nature of Jacksonville and the market and uh, having to tarp seats, et cetera, people have connected the two cities. But I don't necessarily think that there is as a direct line connection as as people assume. Now, why would you say that, Sam? Well, for one thing, I think there are teams that are easier to move. Uh, you look at Jacksonville's lease, and uh, <clears throat> it runs to, I believe, 2030. Uh, now, you can always extricate yourself from a lease uh, by buying your way out of it, but the uh, uh, the price tag here would run close to a hundred million dollars, which adds, <clears throat> you know, m- makes a deal significantly more difficult and expensive. But I-, I-, I truly believe that the league wants to at least give it a go in Jacksonville uh, with Mr. Khan, um, and I also believe that. Dean Spanos is not going to give anyone an open layup to Los Angeles, and he has been spent the past 10 years. He's had a, 10 years to line up his votes in the league, uh, those 24 votes that are essential to relocating a franchise with the support and blessing of the league. And why would he let someone else just come in, storm in, take that market uh, out from under him? You're referring to the owner of the... San Diego Chargers, which right. sets up, by the way, a fascinating Monday night matchup. Is there any truth to the rumor that the winner of this coming Monday night game gets to move to Los Angeles? Is that on the line, <laughs> along with a win? Wouldn't that be great? Uh, the stakes would uh, 
They'd be, they'd be very high, Chargers and, and Jacksonville. But so yeah. so I guess then let, let me start with this then. Um the 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 word is that you hear so many so often, certainly here in Los Angeles, that uh whichever stadium goes, and most people believe it's the downtown one, correct? Let's start right. with that one. Yes. Right now. Um that whichever would would that, that that let's say for the purposes the the downtown stadium that two teams are coming that the league wants to um kill a couple of facility issue birds with one Los Angeles downtown stadium stone and on top of it the folks who are going to run Farmers Field no relation to you Sam um, they want to have this facility active every single weekend, sort of the way that MetLife is in New Jersey with the Giants and the Jets. Pretty much every weekend, it's active. Is that is that an accurate assessment with the way things are right now? Yeah, I mean, this is such a mega deal uh, to to make this thing pencil. Having two franchises is the way to do it, uh, both from the uh, in terms of a loan from the league and and paying it off on a weekly basis uh, with uh, having twenty games a year there, 20 home games as opposed to 10. And and also it serves the purpose to uh, call Los Angeles a two-team market because you can further leverage cities. Uh, uh, once a team does move to Los Angeles, um, you leave open the possibility that another team is coming so you can extend that uh, the leverage that you've used for quite some time now. But I, I will say that... Um, <clears throat> Both stadium developers, uh, AEG and Ed Roski, um, realize how difficult it's going to be to cut a deal with the team. And, um, you know, the Chargers, for instance, are not going to um, sell half their team um, at a deep discount like AEG would like. So that, um, is, that is true, that, that, that price of, of, of moving to Los Angeles – would be they have to sell part of their team or or fifty percent of their team or maybe cut a bashadi like deal where right now you don't get the full stake but one day you you do I mean yeah, it, well, I don't I, first of all I don't believe if we're talking the Chargers specifically mm -hmm. Dean Spanos is not going to give someone a path to, to full ownership um, he's not going to sell the right a first refusal uh, on a team so you'd be a limited partner without a path to ownership, to full ownership. And, yeah, the offer that um, that has been extended um, is $5 million a point, which would be $250 million for half the team, which is about half price if you go by Forbes valuation. Right. So um, <laughs> that's not good for the Chargers. Um even though the team would jump in value in moving from San Diego to Los Angeles. And it's not good for the league because that sets the comps for the next sale that comes along. So um, it's it's like your neighbor selling his right, house. Right, it's a real estate price. deal. Right, it's a real estate deal. Location, location. So um, so you're saying Jacksonville, you believe that the league is going to want it. Well, let's, let's put it this way then. How, how much control over this does the league have because you've got a team like minnesota that literally will be homeless in five weeks time there at least is up period they do not have a place to play as of as of january one and i, I i've heard that's the last team the league wants to move to right. los angeles is to have minnesota 
with its rich Midwestern roots in history, be the, the latest Minnesota-based team to come to Los Angeles. It, how, how much control over this process does the league really have? The league has a great deal of control over this process because the league, uh, part of the financing of the stadium will involve being awarded Super Bowls, and it's the league that awards Super Bowls. Uh, part of the financing will be a G3-type loan. Uh, it's the league that would award those loans um, so or extend those loans. So uh, unlike in years past, in the old days when a team could uproot and roll into a new market and into an existing stadium, um, now that stadiums are so expensive, uh, communities need the help of the NFL to get them built. And so the, that's how the NFL controls things. It controls the purse strings. So... The NFL has a great deal of input on uh, which team it is and when that happens, et cetera. Um, or, you know, Al Davis would have moved the Raiders back down to Los Angeles. But but what happens now? What, what, yeah, let's talk about the Raiders. Where, where do they stand in this whole process? Well, the, the Raiders are a free agent, but they um, – and, and I don't know if they get a stadium. I, I, I don't believe they're going to get a stadium done in the Bay Area. The only way that happens is, is if they go in together with the 49ers. I think that's the most likely scenario down the road is the Raiders and 49ers share a stadium. Um, but in terms of moving back to Los Angeles, that's very difficult because of the image of the Raiders, the uh, taste in people's mouths when they, when they left. Um, you would have to rebrand the franchise to make them more uh, appetizing to the to the LA community. And if you're talking about AEG, uh, you know Phil Anschutz has a half a a tower full of condominiums to sell at uh, ranging from a million to ten million dollars. And if you tell people that there are going to be ten Raider games a year next door, um, that's not necessarily going to sell condos. So they would have to rebrand them, make them the kinder, gentler Raiders or whatever, and that's not going to that's not going to play with the current Raider fans. So that's a very difficult team uh, to move what an and issue to sell here. to corporations and that kind of stuff. What an issue here! So let's let's where, where would a a co-owned or um, where where would a a co-tenanted uh, Raiders Niners Stadium be? Where would that in Santa Clara? Where where the Niners are already talking about where their stadium might be? I think it would be, be Santa Clara. Yeah, but and that's nowhere near Oakland, right? I mean, that's not well, Oakland territory right. at all. It's a forty five minute drive south. But are you going to put it in uh, at Honors Point where uh, Candlestick is now? I mean, I think they've got the the room to put it in there next to the Forty ers facility and and. You know, somebody's going to have to bite the bullet, uh, one of those teams is. And, and 49ers are sort of driving that bus right now, and I think I think that's where you'd put the stadium. Huh. What about the idea? Let's play conspiracy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what about the idea that uh, Shahid Khan, who is from southern Illinois, attempted to buy the Rams, let's say he makes a go of it, right? or attempts to, or is in the process of attempting to, he goes and takes the Jaguars to St. Louis mm-hmm. and Stan Kroenke and the Rams bring the Rams back home to Los Angeles. Is that a feasibility? Absolutely. 
I think that uh, you know the Rams can't move for a couple of years, and, and St. Louis is the type of market that the NFL would backfill, and as it did Cleveland, take a, a team out of that market and realize that we need to put a team back into that market. And I think, I think that that could be. The, and I don't know specifically if it's that scenario, but a multi-team move uh, might be the, sort of the dominoes that fall in this. You know, I have my doubts that a team will be in Jacksonville in 10 years, but I don't think this is the first step toward the Los Angeles market, direct step towards the Los Angeles market. So, But it could have a stop in, in St. Louis, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I, I do believe that what is the is what a, is it? Is it twenty twelve when the Edward Jones Dome lease is up for the Rams? Isn't that what it is? Twenty fourteen. Okay. Fourteen. Yeah. Interesting. And so, but they can start the process of of getting out of that lease now. Does Eddie DeBartolo lurk anywhere in this process? Well, I've talked to Eddie about this. You know, Eddie has said, "I don't want to be an absentee owner again." He lives in Tampa. Um, if the uh, the Buccaneers were if the Buccaneers were for sale, I think Eddie'd be in there to buy them or try to. Uh, but he doesn't want to own the L.A. team and live in Tampa and be an absentee owner. He felt like he was an absentee owner with the 49ers to an extent. So. <laughs> wow, that's a hell of an, absence, an absentee. That's the most present absentee owner I've ever heard of, if he really felt that way. Yeah, well, that's how he felt. Anyway, he, he wants to have a team in his backyard, and he doesn't want to live in Los Angeles. What am I not asking you? What 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 is out there, Sam? This this because because right here 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 you got a, a legendary franchise in the Vikings that have, I mean, as we are currently sitting here on the edge of December, they do not know Jan one what what in the world is going on as far as we can tell from where we're sitting. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville, uh, which has one of the largest. Um, uh, uh, attendance problems in the National Football League just got sold to a guy that tried to buy the Rams. The Rams lease is up in a couple of years. There are three facility issues in California alone with the idea of building one Taj Mahal stadium in downtown Los Angeles coming that can fit up to two teams. Crystal ball it for me. What do you think happens here? I think that the Rams ultimately will relocate to Los Angeles. Um, and I don't see that happening before. The, in other, I don't think they can break their lease and pay off the city and leave. Um, they're gonna, I, I believe the AG is going to get this thing entitled downtown, and then they're going to have to slow this train down a little bit, which is dangerous because any, any – uh, any slowing of momentum has been the death knell of these projects. But I believe that if a stadium, that ultimately a team's going to be in Los Angeles and downtown is the place it's going to be. Um, but I think it might take until 2015 or 16 to, to get a team there. Uh, I don't think it'll be Jacksonville. I think it, it could well be the Chargers, and I think the Rams are, are definitely in play. But with the way that the sands have shifted uh, over the years with this thing, the only thing I do know is that the NFL isn't going to be rushed on this. 
And well, it's not going to jam itself into a bad deal. No, of course not. But yeah. but, but in order but for the deal to happen, though, Sam, you have uh, they want to turn the dirt on this thing next year, don't they? Downtown. Isn't that the idea? Well, they, they turn the yeah, dirt. I mean, they're, they're they play 2016, is, right? Isn't that, isn't that right, the plan? They're not going to put shovels into the ground until they have a long-term agreement right. with the team. And, and, but no team is going to come and say, if they turn a shovel in the ground in 2012, that we're coming by 2016, it would absolutely kill themselves in the market in which they currently reside. Right. Um, they'd be carpetbaggers. They'd mm-hmm. have to. They'd have to play where in the Rose Bowl for a couple of years. The Rose Bowl or, or the Coliseum. But you're right. I mean, as soon as a team says that it may, takes the first step towards Los Angeles, it's dead in its current market. Right. And 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 the people who want to turn the shovel by 2012 and the lights on by 2016. And want to know from somebody before they shut the turn the shovel that they're coming, say that they want half the team too, right? I mean, that's what you're saying. Yeah, to make to finance to make the LA deal work for AG, they need a big piece of the team at a bargain basement price. And right now, there just aren't a lot of owners or any owners that I know that are willing to do that, especially with the new uh, 10-year labor agreement, especially with blockbuster TV deals around the corner. Um, these teams are in less urgent situations than they were before, uh, and they're not desperate to move. And so something's got to give, and it might be finding another way uh, to make this work financially for Phil Anschutz. And him acquiescing and saying, I don't need it." a huge piece of this team uh, for dirt cheap because as far as I can tell, the league's not going to do that. So you're saying Farmers Field downtown, again, no relation, Los Angeles, <laughs> has a St. Louis Rams first and then the San Diego Chargers second. The Raiders are going to have to bite the bullet and share a stadium with the Niners far afield from their current market. Jacksonville, they try to make a go of it there. And Minnesota, somehow, some way, they figure out a way to build a stadium there and keep them there. That's just that's what that's what you're predicting. Yes, and Buffalo uh, stays in that region too. I don't think you move Buffalo out of, out of the Western New York region. But could they be yeah, a player I, in this? I, I could also, they actually be a player in all this? Have I not? Even... No, I, I don't think Buffalo is going to because it's such a. Uh, I right. mean, in a political battleground state, or politically such a powerful political state as New York, uh, taking the only team that plays in New York State out of that state, I think would be a, a hornet's nest. But I, but I like the idea and the path you're on that this could be a, a multi-step process and backfilling one market with another team, moving a team out of a market, right. backfilling it with another team. And what about an expansion team? Is that, is I, I don't see that happening. I don't think the owners want to um, slice the pie a 33rd or 34th way. They'd have to, right? It'd have to be yeah. more than a 33rd way. You can't just have right. – uh, You can't. That, they'd have to put a team on a bye week once a week, wouldn't they? Right. So One, you, yeah, to have a lopsided league like that and then – you know the the value, the short term value of the of the franchise fee uh, would be outweighed by the long term sharing of all that TV money. Where does London rank in any of this at all? Anywhere? Well, I mean that's interesting, but it's it, it seems like a lower priority 
uh, than than getting the LA situation worked out. But well, because there's so many teams that need to figure out where they're going to play and and how they're going to play and how they're going to afford to play and and again, the, California. Uh, pretty much if we've just decided that, you know, and I know Atlanta's saying that they, that it wants a, a new stadium or needs a new stadium, but um, California's got three, three stadiums that are uh, old. And I mean, Sam, I, I, you travel to stadiums every week and, and we do it on Thursday night football. We just came from Baltimore, uh, Seattle this week. Um, and, uh, we're, we're going to go to Lucas oil and Heinz field and, uh, it, not, San Diego, our first game that we're at, it doesn't even come close. There's just, it's, it's so far from what is seen as the norm now in the national football league. They has, something has to be done about it at some point. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and, and the league, um, uh... <clears throat> to a large degree, is unsympathetic about California's situation. A few years ago, in the league meeting, uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the govern- governor, was mm-hmm. in the meeting and, and said, "You know, I think California should have five teams." And Jerry Richardson, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, said, "You'll be lucky if California has one team." <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's um, where did Arnold want to put the other two teams? Where Fresno? You know, or? I think he thought where well, L.A. and you have two teams in the Bay Area and San Diego, uh, two teams in L.A. and San Diego and the Bay Area, two teams. I mean, so one in San Diego, in other words. Wow. So uh, yeah, just pie in the sky stuff, but uh, it's very, very difficult to get anything built in California, obviously, and there's no appetite for public money uh, to subsidize these things, and but something's got to give, and and. Um, I'm just wondering if the uh, Phil Anschutz's demand for a team at, at a cut rate is just a jumping-off point to negotiating, and if the the sides can meet in the middle. Hmm. But again, I don't think the league feels particularly pressured, or teams feel uh, a real sense of urgency to get this done because the. CBA has lifted all the boats, and everybody's in a little better situation and has some breathing room now. Well, Sam, thanks for straightening us out on this. We're gonna we're gonna keep on calling you up to to see what's what, since it affects more than just the Los Angeles market, as we pointed out here. And uh, if somebody else beats you to the commissioner's press conference <laughs> microphone and asks a Los Angeles question first, that's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> that is just wrong. Basically, it's somebody it's. Rich- Super Bowl it should be oh, yes, crazy Super Bowl absolutely. Dinner. Let me say it, it should be it should be sort of like uh, the way Helen Thomas was for many years with the president. <laughs> you get the first Los Angeles question, and if the commissioner calls on somebody else and they ask a Los Angeles question before you, it's just wrong. It's unprofessional and it's it's disrespectful. I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, uh, one last thing, and yes. this is a serious point. Okay. Uh, in the Rams. Um, negotiations. Uh, Shahid Khan, there were some, the finance committee had uh, real questions about his uh, uh, liquidity, the liquidity of his assets. The post-closing liquidity. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, obviously they're going to drill, and maybe they just kind of took a surface look at it because Stan Kroenke had right of first refusal on that team, but it would be interesting. I I would imagine they drilled much deeper, uh, in this instance, and, and 
you know, it satisfied their curiosity. But yeah, well, one one would think though that uh, that Wayne Weaver's announcement today didn't catch the commissioner off guard, you know, or the commissioner right. was too busy getting fielding a call from Indomitian Sue, you know, to <laughs> right, to to right. vet all this before the announcement was made. Yes. And, and, and by the way, too, the bef- firing of the coach. There's no question. Play. There's no question. Wayne Weaver checked with Shahid Khan with that first. I mean, there's no. There's no doubt. No doubt that the new owner. I mean, it's not like he just. They had to have these conversations about extending Gene Smith, the general manager, releasing the coach from his duties. Um, that had to be cleared with the new guy first. There's no oh, question yeah. about that. Uh, and I think that those, and that's probably why. Maybe uh, signing off on the deal cleared the way for you to do make those personnel moves, and and I think in the coming days we, we might and, and maybe weeks we're going to see Shahid Khan take on some limited partners, maybe some people from the Jacksonville area to uh, sort of further underscore his his commitment to staying in that area, at least in the short term. Sam, thanks for the the uh, information. We'll talk yep. with you down the Great road. You bet that Sam Farmer of the Los Angeles Times giving us the scoop on what's going on with the shifting sands through the hourglass of the Los Angeles market area and who might be moving here and who might be staying put throughout the National Football League. Interesting stuff here on the podcast. Pleased and honored to have back on the podcast the legend himself from the booth um, here to take part in what's now becoming a tradition. Fast here on the Rich Eisen Podcast for the Plays of the Month. Good to see you, Jim Brockmeyer. Thank you, Rich Eisen. Always a pleasure to be seen by you and by your your many fans. Thank you very much, Jim. Your class act, as as always. Well, to... thank you. Right back at you, Rich. And, right. uh, I, it, is it was it Casual Day? Did I not get the memo? Yeah, it was. It was Casual Day. It was it ah. was J Crew Casual Day. I see. Here in the podcast. I, feel, I feel overdressed. No, here. I feel. You know what? I thought about it when I when I came in to work, getting ready, and I know I was having such an old school legend on with me. Well. I should. I shouldn't. I shouldn't go with just the open collar and a, and a sweater over it uh, with jeans. Um, you have graduated high school, haven't you? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. I have graduated Just high checking. School. Yeah, no, but uh, but uh, again, uh, you're you're here with your red tie and your lapel. And this reads, doesn't it? You, ro- can, you, you can see this? <laughs> the tie reads. The tie reads yeah, on you camera. You can tell I'm wearing it. Okay, good. Yes, absolutely. Excellent. Uh, as always, before we get to the plays of the month, I want to ask you about some hot button topics in the National sure. Football League. And and Sue getting ah, sure. a two-game suspension yeah. for, uh, if you will, the league put its foot down. You see what I'm going on that one? They, yes, they did. Yeah, he, they, he did, then they did. Yes, Absolutely. They, exactly. Very so, good, Rich <laughs> I'm just trying to raise my game. You I, know I enjoyed mean? that very much. <laughs> I'm sure Rex Ryan and Wes Welker did too. Everybody, everybody yeah. where, I, you see the whole foot thing. I brought it around. You did. You. you. It's full. It's full circle. Yes, I did. What did What did you think about Indomitian Sue? Well, you know that's a tough thing. I'm an old school guy. I don't like to see that behavior. I'm not defending his actions at all, mm-hmm. but uh, it must be hard. Think about it. Football players are they're paid to channel all their aggression, all that hot energy. Mm-hmm. And then what are they supposed to do? Just turn it off when the whistle blows and be best friends with the other team? I mean, maybe Indomitian Sue is not wired that way. I know I'm not. You know, in fact, uh, I, I had an altercation, a bit of a bit of a tiff with Brent Musburger about 15 years ago. I still want to kill the guy. I, you think he watches this show? You think so? Oh, I'm sure. Brett, hey, Brett, where was my camera? Right there. Right hey, Musburger, there. you watching this thing? Because if you are, you see me crossing the street. You better go the other way, pal, because I will fish hook that smug look right off of your face. All right? But it's not funny, Rich Eisen. Musburger is a punk. 
Wow. And how long does this go back with you and, and, and Mossberger? We had Jim. a disagreement uh, that started out as a gentleman's disagreement about how to properly pronounce mm-hmm. legendary first baseman Kent Hrbeck. Okay? How to pronounce his name. Right. And look, I, I, I have many friends of Polish, dis- uh, not distraction, extraction. Yeah. And a couple of from Polish distraction. And those, they are tough to be around, those people. <laughs> Let me tell you something right now. But, so, uh, so how do you pronounce the... the it's for, Kent Hrbeck. You the, roll the R. The that twins. is the correct Polish pronunciation. Now, I know we don't make a big point of it on the air, and I'm uh-huh. going to say every broadcast, Kent Hrbeck, okay? But it technically, that is the correct pronunciation, and man, did did Musburger ever give me a hard time about that. He no. was making fun of me, and... Uh, with that strange head of his, I don't even know what he's got going on up there. That kind of elongated, looks like a Muppet to me. Mm-hmm. I'd like to, I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd, I'd be, I'm going to go all cookie monster on him I ever see him. So uh, we might as well just leave that then where it lies. All right, if you, with, okay. Well, I, I just, because again, I, I understand uh, you're still working through your, your anger management issues. And like I said, I don't want this podcast to ever come between you and the comeback that you're clearly on. Look, I'm starting to get a little annoyed, so why don't we? You're right. Let's move you know on. I, mean? I don't want to turn ugly here. But I, let me just say one thing. I have noticed <laughs> that you had, because the Musburger Brock Meyer thing mm-hmm. is kind of like the Biggie Tupac thing in the broadcaster world. Yes, uh, right. And you, I, I've noticed you've been on the fence about this thing. You have not taken sides, and believe me, it has not gone unnoticed. Well, I mean, I don't want to get involved. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of the Switzerland in this thing. I, Jim, I, you know, well, I don't want to get involved. Well, I'm um, just saying you can't be that. Should I if you're it? Switzerland, you're against me. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> if you're not with me, you're against me. All and, right. All right. Well, I, I, like I said, I, I will come out right now on my podcast, and I, I will back you. I'll back your Thank play. Thank you very much. I'm going to back your play, Jim Brockman. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> I'm that. I'm going to back your play. A great deal. Yeah. I'm going to back Thank your play. Thank you. Kent Hrbeck. Kent Hrbeck. Hrbeck. Yeah, kind of like a uh, Eartha Kitt kind of thing. you got to get going there. <laughs> That's she. She was one of the many cat women. One of many cat women, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from yeah, back in the day. One, yeah, one of the hotter ones. You got Julie Newmyer. You got uh, <laughs> Arthur Kitt. Yeah, and uh, there was one other, I think. Yeah. Oh, there was uh, Lee Merriweather. Lee Mer- <laughs> yeah, there was. She was a hottie too. She uh, she was Miss America. Back in the day. Back in the day. Back yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah. The Buffalo Bills season, Jim Brockmeyer. Uh, yeah. Once so promising, yeah. and now they are five and six, and it seems that the wheels are coming off the wagon. What is what is your take good, on that's this? That's a good one. Wheels coming off the wagon. Yeah. That's a good one. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. Can I use that? Please. <laughs> it's, it's all yours. Um, well, they've been decimated by injuries, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. It doesn't help that uh, that Stevie Johnson seems to swat at passes like he's playing volleyball, does it? That's <laughs> in the wrong sport there. But, I mean, I, I feel that... Uh, I mean, the Buffalo fans, they can't be that surprised. You know, I mean, they got to know nothing good can truly ever happen to them, don't they? Otherwise, they would have left Buffalo a very long time ago. <laughs> I know I did. I also think the entire Bills franchise got to be having some serious buyer's remorse on that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick contract they got going there. I mean, they spent a lot of money there. It reminds me of the time I bought a PT Cruiser. Remember those things? Yeah. I bought a PT Cruiser, Rich Eisen, and the nanosecond I drove that baby off the lot, I was like, what am I doing? I just bought an ugly remake of an already ugly car. And so I relate to the Buffalo franchise who got to feel like, you know, they spent $60 million on a tiny little, kind of little teeny bearded Ivy Leaguer who can't throw the ball 20 yards. That's a lot of money for that. So Fitzpatrick is the PT Cruiser of, uh, of NFL of the NFL, yeah, you heard it here. Absolutely, no, yeah. Uh, and, and the top 10 list. Um, I'm so psyched that you're back again to do this, Jim. My pleasure. You did it for the month of September. You did it for the month of October. It's It's gone, as the kids say, viral. 
<laughs> yes. And um, yes, in I, what, my day, viral was a bad thing. <laughs> he didn't want a virus back in my day. No, now it's a now it's a great thing. What's the reaction that you're getting? Well, the, it's nice that uh, this there was a reaction. The first two times I did it, you can kind of hear, uh, you know, uh, crickets out in the ether. Mm-hmm. There. And now we had I had a very big response. And uh, but I do have to say some of it uh, was annoying. Um, you know, please, folks, don't. Uh, to stop whining and complaining that your team is not in the top 10 plays. You know, I am a professional mm-hmm. monthly podcast guest, and uh, I assure you, you know, that uh, the only way your team is going to get into the top 10 is by bribing me. And uh, so, I, heck, for uh, I'm not kidding. For a saw buck, I'll, I'll run a Colts one-yard run uh, as a featured play. I don't care. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, if you want your team in, just... Uh, you know what to do. What I don't need, I need money. What I don't need is a bunch of anonymous, angry internet comments. Nobody that does nobody that. any good. No, no, it doesn't do anybody. But at least, again, you've got your morals and scruples still intact, Jim. No, I have no standards. Absolutely. Well done. Well done. So let's get right to it, shall we? Uh, let's do it. Now, people have been complaining and whining in London or some such place about how they, they can only hear it. They can't see the podcast. So, so stop your crying and go to uh, <laughs> richeisen.nfl.com. You can download the podcast, if that's the correct terminology. It is. And it you is. can see it live. Well, not live, but you can see it. But you can see it. The, uh, the weird, the wacky, and the wonderful, <laughs> if you will, the top ten plays for the month of November. All right, here we go at number 10. Here comes the most magical Tim Tebow play of this magical month. With just 58 seconds to go, he slips around the Jets blitz and sprints 20 yards for the game-winning score. He even forces Antonio Cromartie to quit on the play with his divine will. I am all aboard this Tebow train, Rich Eyes, and I am so glad he brought the wing tee back to the NFL. I was getting so tired of all this newfangled forward passing, weren't you? Yes. <laughs> Who wants to see that when you can watch some some beautiful deity scoot his way past large men? Number nine. Now, here's my favorite clip of the month, Richard Eisen. Chris Cluey. Well, it's one of my favorite names in sports, by the way. Chris Cluey fumbles the hold on a field goal, forcing Ryan Longwell to just stand and then watch Cluey get thrown to the ground by Tyvon Branch of the Raiders. One more time in slow motion now. Let's take a look at that. Oh, yeah. You know, I tell you, I find video of kickers getting tackled to be reinvigorating. It's like a deep gulp of air on a crisp, cool morning or something. I love it. I love it because I hate kickers because they are stupid. Eddie Hoodles, here comes number eight. Now against the hated rival Steelers, with just eight seconds left, Joe Flacco caps off a 92-yard drive with this clutch touchdown pass to Torrey Smith. Just a big-time throw for a big-time win, and yet I still cannot get a read on Flacco. He's really, he's like the Sarah Jessica Parker of quarterbacks, isn't he? I mean, one moment he looks like a star, and the next the light shifts. You're wondering why anybody would pay money to watch that thing. Huh? Okay, lucky number seven. Philip Rivers looks downfield, and like he has done all season, he throws a pick. This one is to Charlie Pepper of the Packers, and the Chargers' offense goes after Pepper like a bunch of middle-aged dads trying two-handed touch. And touchdown, Packers. Hey, congrats, Norv. You have inspired your team to play football like they just woke up from a nap. Good job. And at number six... Mark Sanchez runs out wide while the Jets are in Wildcat, and then check out that hilarious flinch of his. Sanchez, uh, he must dart under the couch when company comes over or something, because he is a big old scaredy cat. And then next he proceeds to fall on his face, get called for holding, and then fall again. Forget sitting in private bathtubs and holding hands. I think Mark Sanchez just gave us a new (laughs) metaphor. Number five. 
Now, here we go. Torrey Smith catches a pass, but then Pac-Man Jones legally horse-collars Smith by his dreadlocked mane. <laughs> Ouch! Now, some might point to this play as the reason why our receivers shouldn't have that hairstyle, but I would never say that somebody cannot have dreadlocks, Rich Eisen, unless it is a white person, because that's like walking around with a sign on your head that says, Hey, everybody, I am just awful. Can you imagine you with dreadlocks? No, I couldn't, no. That would be, so you, you might as well walk around with a sign that says, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. You, right? Yeah. You'd do that before you'd have dreadlocks, wouldn't you? I couldn't have dreadlocks. Although with this sweater, you should. It, it's at least <laughs> worth a sign like, I'm I'm not. I am awful. Yeah, I'm, not, not I'm awful, but just like, I'm not great. Let's face it, folks, I'm not great. That's what that sweater says to me. Looks good on you, though. Moving on to number four. Now let's check out this Thanksgiving highlight. Matt Moore tosses the long bomb to Brandon Marshall, who hauls it in despite being choked from behind by Terrence Newman. Now, ironically, that day I had to do the same thing to my father after he swallowed an entire turkey leg. Bit of a serious note. Pop swore his throat had grown, but I told him it was just his jowls sagging down even further. It was, I tell you, it was a grand old time at Casa de Brockmeyer. And the third best play, Cards rookie sensation Patrick Peterson goes all the way back to the goal line to retrieve this punt, but then dances and pirouettes his way through the Rams for the game winner in overtime. Now let's take a look at the replay on that. He catches the punt, gets his bearings, and then uses his speed to... Whoa, okay, I'm now being informed that this is actually two separate punt returns. I'm sorry, folks. The Rams' awfulness just confused me for a second. Oh, but man, oh man, I do love to watch that kid Peterson run. I just wish I could get paid to do it like the St. Louis special teams does. Don't you, Rich Eisen? <laughs> it would be working in here in a little weird shower closet <laughs> curtain room, wouldn't it? The four listeners? Beat that. All right, here comes number two. Bills quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick tosses a touchdown to David Nelson, who then jogs over and gives the ball to his cowboy cheerleader girlfriend. Hey, here's some free advice, David. Don't volunteer to give them your balls, okay? My ex-wife still has mine, and it is the reason I scream into a pillow every night before I go to bed. Did you know that it's almost impossible to get tear stains out of Egyptian cotton? Did you know that, Rich Eisen? No. Uh, well, I have the drag-cleaning bills to prove it. And at number one, finally, and I am excited about this one, LeGarrette Blunt takes the handoff and looks to be stopped by the Packers, but no, he's still alive. They hit him with five shots, and he's still alive. Well, that's bad luck for me, and bad luck for you if you don't make that deal, Rich Eisen. And running 54 yards for the score, man, here's the incredible replay. Packers coach Mike McCarthy must be thinking, look, look how they massacred my boys. And folks? We just made Brockmeyer history with a two-Godfather quote clip. Why? Because that was the best play in the month of November. Jim, I really appreciate you coming on and, and doing this again and giving my uh, my website a pop, too. I mean, I'm going to clearly see uh, a jump in downloads just merely having you involved. Ah, you're so. very kind, Rich. No, no, no I, I really feel this way, Jim. It may sound insincere and look insincere, but it's very, very sincere. Wow. Do you want to hug it out again? Uh, we could do Let's that. Let's do it. Do it. Okay. Come on. Okay. Let's hug it. That got, that got, I almost I got choked up. Your, the rose, though. Wait, can I, I want to lift your No, glass. careful. Oh, <laughs> oh, man. Whoa. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no. <laughs> that was harder than I thought it was going to be. I thought I could lift you up like mm. you. I should have known better. That'll wrap it up for this show. That was fun. I mean, we were all over the map. Charles Woodson, loved chatting with him. The earnest, serious, and dominant defensive back of this game today. He may win the Defensive Player of the Year award again. Great catching up with him. Adam Kroll, laugh out loud, hilarious. Sam Farmer giving us as inside a scoop as you can get. He thinks that the Jaguars are going to go to St. Louis, and St. Louis is one of the teams that's going to come to Los Angeles. 
and the Chargers will join him one day downtown in Los Angeles. We'll see if that bears any fruit, if that crystal ball is clear. And then the great Jim Brockmeyer. I miss him already. The Bud Light fan camps for this weekend, December 3rd and 4th. Dallas and Hartford on December 3rd. Atlanta and Los Angeles on December 4th. Log on to the Bud Light Facebook page for more information. And just please know, you must be 21 years or older to participate. That's it for this program. Bob Costas is going to join us. Lots to talk about with Bob next week on the podcast. Thanks to everybody here for making this thing sing. Rich Eisen, signing off. Stay listening, friends. 